Welcome, I'm Cliff Hedges. This is Pastor Cliff's Notes. It's a podcast where we're studying the Bible. We're working our way through the Gospel of John. Today is episode 172. We're looking at John chapter 18, verses 1 through 12. This is the arrest of Jesus. So let's read the passage, John 18, 1 through 12. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. When Jesus told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Then he asked them again, Who is it that you are seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. I told you, I am he, Jesus replied. So if you are looking for me, let these men go. This was to fulfill the words he had said, I have not lost one of those you have given me. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, Put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. Well, this is the segment following the prayer of Jesus of John 17, where Jesus is arrested. During the Last Supper, Judas had gone out with the intention of betraying Jesus. Jesus knew his heart, and he had said someone would betray him. Uh, Some asked, "What's, what's he talking about? We don't know. And then he dipped the morsel in the cup and gave it to Judas and said, whatever you're going to do, go do it. Now Judas returns for the betrayal. So verse 1, after Jesus had said these things, well, which things? Well, all his teachings to the disciples and then his high priestly prayer of chapter 17. After he said those things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley where there was a garden and he and his disciples went into it. In the Gospel of Luke, uh, Luke 21, 37, it, it says that Jesus would spend the night every night during that final week on the Mount of Olives, and that's across the Kidron Valley. So this is probably the place. Jesus has been going there each night during the the Passover feast, and he and his disciples would spend the night in this garden, just sleeping out in the open air. And this is where apparently they go, because in verse 2 it says, Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So this is a regular place. Jesus would go to his disciples. Judas knew he would probably be there, and so that's where he came for the betrayal. So verse 3, so Judas took a company of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees and came in there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. There's some debate over this, but uh, exactly what the various words mean. But uh, the phrase company of soldiers is a, a single word, spira. And it's where we get the, the Latin word cohort from where we get the word cohort. It's an actual technical term. It means one-tenth of a legion. 
A Roman legion is about 6,000 men. And so one-tenth of a legion would be 600. And that's a cohort, or in the, the Greek, a spira. And the, the way they translate this, they're trying to make things a little less definite, but it says Jesus took a company. The actual Greek word is the. So Jesus took the company of soldiers, or the cohort, the spira, and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. Now, word gets translated officials here. It is, you know, can mean a lot of things. Servant, attendants. I think the best way to understand this as to who all these people are is that when you refer to the cohort, you're referring to the permanent garrison of Roman soldiers, which stays at the uh, the Antonian fortress in Jerusalem, right next to the temple area. There's this fortress uh, called Antonia. It's named for Mark Antony, who was a friend of Herod. Herod had built this fortress as part of the protection of the area, and that's where the, the Roman garrison was at which provided the, the Roman presence in Jerusalem. And the normal group of Roman soldiers there was a, a cohort of a force of about 600. Now, it changed over times because when you have the big influx of people for the major religious festivals and feasts, they would also increase the number of Roman soldiers there to keep the peace. In case things get out of hand, the Romans were very quick to put down uh, disturbances and, and riots and things. And also when the Roman governor came, he brought extra troops with him. The Roman governor normally stayed in Caesarea, but we know the Roman governor is in Jerusalem here because of the festival, but Pilate normally lives in Caesarea, but he's in town, and so he would have brought more troops with him as part of his group, but also to beef up security in Jerusalem for the festival. So when it says the spera, the company of soldiers, it's probably referring to the the 600-man cohort, which is garrisoned at the uh, Antonia Fortress. Now, was it all 600 of them? Probably not. That just seems a bit excessive, but it was probably a, a large group. So when he says the cohort, he probably is like saying the police came. It's, it's not all of the police. It's just uh, a, a group of soldiers from that cohort. But it's probably a sizable group because down in verse 12, it says the commander is there. We'll talk about that when we get down to verse 12. But if the commander of the cohort, the commander of the 600-man force is there, he's probably not there with five or six soldiers He's there with a group. And what, why such a big group? They're just going to arrest one guy. Well, one guy who's reputed to be a miracle worker. Now, these aren't a, batch of, a bunch of modern atheists who say miracle worker, miracle worker. We don't care about no miracle. These are, these are people who believe in these kind of things. And so they may be a little scared of going to arrest Jesus. And... A lot of people are supportive of Jesus. They may be afraid of a riot. If Jesus has a lot of supporters there, Jesus may not go quietly, and we may have to put down a riot. So the Romans are not going to arrive with a force and get caught with a too small of a force. So they've got to 
larger than they think they'll need group of soldiers with them. So it says uh, the company of soldiers or the segment of Roman soldiers from the Jerusalem cohort and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. So these are officials means attendant service probably means the temple police. Now, the temple police earlier had been sent to arrest Jesus, and they didn't do it. They came back and said, we never heard anybody speak like this guy before. They were afraid to arrest Jesus. And maybe that's the reason that uh, they've actually asked for help from the the Roman army. So the uh, temple police who are coming from the chief priests and Pharisees that are sent by the Sanhedrin, and they come well-armed. They come with lanterns, torches, and weapons. And the idea is it's a full moon because of the festival cycle, but it's still night, and they're coming, maybe thinking they're going to have to search for Jesus. If he hides, then they're going to have to look at all the little crooks and crevices and crannies of the area. So that's why they've got the lights with them. So verse 4, Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it that you're seeking? This shows that Jesus is in control. He's not just caught by surprise. He knows what's going on. He knows Judas is betraying him, and he knows they're here to arrest him. Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he, Jesus told them. Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with them. So I am he. This is, uh, this is interesting because we'll see this two more times where John quotes him as I am he. And this is, I mean, the, the words here are ego emi, meaning I am. And, and there's, there's, John's probably pointing out the significance of this. You know, these are the words of God the Father when he appears to Moses in the burning bush, who will say, sent me, tell him, I am sent you. And so those are the words Jesus is using here, I am. And it says, Verse 6, when Jesus told them, I am he, ego emi, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Now, he doesn't give a, any more explanation of this. Is this. Was this some supernatural thing that just the, the force of Jesus saying this knocked them down? But it says they stepped back and fell to the ground. Is that those that were in the front were so startled, they're thinking they're going to hunt down some guy who's high, and he steps out and steps towards him and identifies himself that maybe they stopped, were awestruck, stepped back, and kind of stumbled into everybody else. You have like a domino effect. Everybody goes falling down. But everyone falls to the ground. Verse 7, then he asked them again, who is it you're seeking? Jesus of Nazareth, they said. Jesus, in verse 8, I told you I am he. So here we had in verse 5, I am he. In verse 6, I am he. In verse 8, I am he. Again, this is the Greek words, ego emi, I am. So John obviously is, is making some linkage out of this. This isn't just say, yeah, that's me. This is a, a theological statement. So if you're looking for me, let these men go. So he's referring obviously to his disciples. You're here to arrest me? Then don't mess with, with these guys that are with me. Verse 9, this was to fulfill the words that he had said. I have not lost one of those you have given to me. This was part of Jesus' prayer, his prayer for his disciples back in chapter 17, specifically chapter 17, verse 12, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it, struck the high priest's servant, and cut off his right ear. 
the servant's name was Malchus. At that, Jesus said to Peter, put your sword away. Am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? So Peter, he's, uh, he's already said earlier, I will not deny you. I will willingly die for you. And I think he means it. That, uh, and here, this is his chance. He's, he's going to die for Jesus. But uh, Jesus had earlier said to him, no, you're going to deny knowing me three times before dawn. So Jesus tells Peter, put your sword away. And then this phrase, am I not to drink the cup the Father has given me? Now he refers to the cup in the synoptic gospels. Because here we don't see the, the prayer of agony of, Lord, if it's thy will, take this cup away from me, but not my will, but your will be done. So the, the other Gospels record that. Uh, John doesn't. But here he does mention the cup. And the cup in the Old Testament sense is, uh, makes reference to the cup of the wrath of the Lord. And, and that's what he is facing. Remember, he's going to die on the cross, not just because the Romans are bad people. But he's dying on the cross to take on the wrath of God as a response to the sin of the world. Then verse 12. Then the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials arrested Jesus and tied him up. This is uh, similar to the, the list of people up in verse 3. So you have the company of soldiers, the spira, the cohort, or at least the segment of the cohort that's there, the commander. Now this was a, another word. The Greek word is chilarikos. And it technically means the commander of a cohort. That's what that word means, is the cohort commander. So if the cohort commander is here, that is the commander of the garrison at the permanent garrison of 600 soldiers in Jerusalem, this, this is a big deal going on here. And he's not there with some little piddly group of soldiers. He's got a big group with him. So the company of soldiers, the commander, and the Jewish officials, and the Jewish officials would be likely the temple guard, arrested Jesus and tied him up. Now, they tie him up because they're afraid he might do something, or is that just standard practice? John doesn't tell us, and I suspect it's just standard practice. You're, you're expecting trouble, and you don't want him to run, you don't want him to fight, you don't want him to cause trouble. So they, they tie him up. So this is the arrest of Jesus under the betrayal of Judas. But in it, we see Jesus absolutely in control. He's not just minding his business and suddenly these guys sneak up and arrest him. He knows what's going on. He goes out to face it because the time is now. His hour has arrived. And this is all leading up to the crucifixion. Thanks for joining me. Join me again next time as we continue working through the Gospel of John.